it's the biggest gift we can give to ourselves to keep our heart open. And, and it's going to feel scary. It's going to be shocking at first. You're going to feel raw and naked and uncomfortable and insecure and vulnerable and unsafe at first. Once you get past, once you stick your hand in the ice and you get used to just putting yourself out there, it's just so freeing. That is the best gift. It's, it's the most freeing thing. It's terrifying at first. It's the most terrifying thing. There's a reason most of us don't meditate and go within and address these mm -hmm. things. And, and, and yeah. we talk about, oh, I want to be authentic. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. you don't. <laughs> exactly. You want to be authentic. Do you really? Welcome to the shame game. Shame thrives in secrecy, but loses all its power when we bring it to light. This show is all about embracing vulnerability and finding connection through our shared experiences of shame. In each episode, we'll talk with a new guest where we'll dive into their stories and experiences and learn how to break free from shame and love ourselves just that little bit more. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to play the shame game. beautiful people this is Eleni for another episode of the shame game and I'm very excited that I have a beautiful guest Ricky Zolievic from Oregon. Ricky is a multi-passionate author. She is a beyond quantum healing practitioner, a book coach and artist. Ricky is passionate about the reintegration of abandoned, rejected and neglected aspects of the self in order to return to our natural state of peace, love and worthiness. Ricky, welcome. Thank you, Lainey. I'm so glad to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited about talking about your story. This is what I love about this podcast is there's so many interesting stories and the beautiful aspect about it is that people can relate to our stories and it allows them to become more vulnerable in their own life. And so thank you for coming in today because it does take courage to to talk about our stories. So let's start right at the beginning. If you want to share, what's your story of shame? Yeah, so let's um, condense it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, this is actually perfect timing for me because I've been in a, in a period just these past few months where a lot has been flipped upside down, relationship-wise, career-wise, moving-wise, and heart opening wise and I've been tested by the universe these past few months to be vulnerable and put my heart out there and I've been learning about this and writing about this but my origin story um if I had to really nail down the 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 core of where my shame and feelings of just that guilt that I'm not good enough that 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 shame came from would be um living with one of my aunts um, growing up. So I grew up, my brother and I grew up, um, the state took custody away from my parents and we lived with neighbors, we lived with guardians, whoever would let us live with them. Um, so we grew up like that, kind of chaotic. There was a lot of drugs, alcohol, lots of, you know, not not very stable for children. Mm -hmm. So that was obvious, that kind of contributed to it. 
Um, but that that's what kind of led us to a situation where my brother and I were living with one of our aunts at the time. And I would I, I think she has some sort of narcissistic personality disorder um, and very unre- her own unresolved traumas and fears of the world kind of projected onto me. And I was expected to kind of be like perfect. We were supposed mm-hmm. to be like Christian, very you know, well-behaved. Um, there was this sense of like, if I came and, uh, you know, said, I'm 18 years old, I, I want to go and, you know, babysit, do this. How dare you want to do that? Or um, so those sorts of things. Like I was shamed for wanting to be an adult. Um, and so I kind of created, or even with my dad, living with my dad for a while, different guardians would just kind of Um, you know, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans, wasn't allowed to wear makeup because it was, you know, I was shamed for being tall and, oh, you're good. You're putting yourself out there across the board. Just many experiences like that. I could go down the list of of things like that, where I was just made to believe that I was, um, you know, morally wrong for wanting to wear tight jeans or makeup or look pretty, or that I was, um, a bad kid that I had bad intentions really for for example one time uh as a teenager I was on vacation stayed up too late got in trouble and it was like I would get yelled at so that was where it came for me I would get like actually yelled at for doing things that really kids and teenagers should have been able to do you know and and, and Ricky how did you feel during that time I felt like um because those two guardians, I held on pedestals and I loved them and admired them. I thought that they were, that they had the power to say something about who I was. And so I felt like I was wrong. I felt Mm -hmm. like I am deluding myself into believing that I'm a good person, that I have good intentions. I really like for years, and I got into a, a six year long toxic relationship that mirrored this, that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm bad, I'm stupid, I'm not very intelligent or capable. Um, I pretend to have good intentions and to be loving, but I'm not really loving. I'm manipulative. It's because I was told all these, you, you didn't try, you, you know, and, and that's what narcissist, you know, and I, I don't like to use the word narcissist necessarily, because I found that people who are narcissistic are, the people who are just suffering the most. Totally, totally. And it, and it spills over. And, but so I've dealt with many people who are suffering so deeply and they, have, they haven't forgiven themselves, they don't love themselves and they, they, they're afraid of life and they control. And so they try to control, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't want to take away from your experience. So yeah, we, you know, the people that lash out and the people that are angry and the people that exhibit narcissistic behavior, of course, they're traumatized as well, but that's their story and this is your story. So I don't want to take away from your story as to what you experienced from, you know, this guardian of yours. Yeah. So what it did for me is it set me up for years of not trusting myself, mm-hmm. not um, believing that I was worthy of healthy, like loving relationships. I thought I just deserved to be yelled at. I thought I, you know, had this fundamental belief that I'm a bad person. Um, I'm irresponsible. I'm lazy. I'm not very intelligent. I make a lot of mistakes that cause stress to others. That was the big thing. I 
am negligent and it causes stress to the people that I love, you know, and if I loved them, I would try harder. And so I became a perfectionist, actually. I became like, I am going to overachieve and be perfect and try to be, you know, as as good as I can so that, you know, um, yeah, so that I'm worthy, so that I don't mess yeah. up, so I don't yeah. fail. Yeah. So fear of failure, yeah. So basically the shame that you're talking about is you felt shame for – supposedly not being intelligent you felt shame for not being good enough you felt shame that you um had supposedly bad intentions so all these things that in in other words you thought you were a bad person pretty much I would gaslight myself so I begin you know that 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 voice ended up being internal and I would um you know if I said well I gave my best the next voice in my head would be like no you didn't (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that yeah. gaslight yourself, that's your, that's the ego. That's what the ego does. It's the ego's yeah. job to treat you like that. Yeah. And so it was like, no, you didn't, you didn't do your best. You could have done better. Okay. Yeah. And so then mm. when was the moment that you questioned your belief system? Um, um, when I was 22, I started, you know, meditating and, and kind of opening my eyes to some things it was a point where I was like, oh, I'm 22. I'm not living with guardians anymore. I can live my life now. I can figure out who I am and what I want to do with this life. Cool. Okay. What do I want to do? And so I gave up all my, I, my all my belongings. I donated everything that I owned except for a suitcase of clothes. And I got a one-way ticket to Hawaii. Nice. I ended up finding, yeah, you know, lived on a farm, nomad. Nice. That's a great Did. place to go one-way ticket to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the big island, 22 years old, no money, no family. Uh, Ended up being there for five years, met my partner at that time there, and we were together that whole five years um, there, and that was the narcissistic, toxic relationship I got into, and it kind of sent me into a whole journey of, you know, I didn't see it. Let's unpack that. So I love the way that you chose Hawaii because, you know, when you hear these stories, they're like, oh, they just went to another city. But, like, you go to, like, paradise, which yeah. is which is lovely. But you then met a person that exhibited the same behaviors as your guardian. So what attracted you to this person? At first I wasn't attracted. Um, we were just friends. Um, but what really got me is I, I saw I saw who he really was. And he's a beautiful person and he wanted to help the world. And I, and I saw him candidly, candidly, he wasn't trying to impress me. He wasn't talking to me. And I saw him and I just, for a brief second, I was like, Whoa, that's who you are. That's cool. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to do big things. I want to help. And I saw his compassion. Um, But then he got diagnosed with a very severe illness very shortly after. And it kind of, it really messed with him, I think, and set him down a different path. But that was kind of like that period. I I took that. I I knew something was off and that's why I moved to Hawaii. I knew I was missed, like not quite with myself. I wasn't feeling like myself. So that's why I felt compelled to go there. And then when I got to Hawaii, it went through this whole, of course, the universe like throws challenges and all five years of not seeing a single friend or family member just going in and meditating and working hard and starting my business and navigating that relationship and 
getting called stupid and okay. getting so getting called stupid again yep and being controlled what what I could and could not wear and do and say and so think it was all playing out again and yeah. so at, at this time this is a question that I want to ask when this behavior started why didn't you immediately because I want to understand how you yeah. thought back then yeah. why didn't you immediately leave the situation why did you stick with the situation yeah that's the question because I used to be the one that's like how would they do that how do they stay like I would never um for one being in the middle of the Pacific Ocean as a 22 year old with no money and and we're lit literally the night we got together we moved in together so it was kind of a circumstantial way too fast codependency um, codependency um I had my dad had just died a couple weeks ago I was like my you know losing my ego discovering who I am I was very lost I didn't know who I was what I was doing I was dealing with grief I didn't mm. understand who this person was I didn't know that people could could come from that place and and have anything but good intentions like I didn't understand um but it didn't start right away it was very loving at first you know and and we built this up and then I left I made the decision even while he was being so loving he was showering mm -hmm. me in love not a single red flag and I still said hey I don't think this is right for me and I decided to leave it it broke his heart and he actually begged me to come back and I made that decision to not trust my gut, to not trust myself. And so I stayed and he had resentment and it, it caused, it caused a wound that I left because I triggered his abandonment wound and he triggered, you know, I didn't trust myself. And so instead of me trusting myself and leave, releasing with love, I stayed even though I didn't want to. And then he didn't feel loved because he knew that I didn't want to be there. And so it created this dynamic where he felt justified to treat me however he wanted yeah. while I, um felt guilty that I left him <laughs> so the shame Man. I felt I felt bad because I did love him I cared for him like I like you know didn't necessarily need to be with him but I cared so much for him like family that I had I had learned that you know love is to stay no matter what is it's the fight and and again maybe it was me maybe I was the problem yeah, that's as ridiculous so, as it sounds. That's so interesting that you say that, you know, you felt shame for leaving him because you still loved him. And this is what, you know, the what people, they're not listening to their intuition about leaving a situation because they're thinking, but I love this person. I mean, I had the same experience when I left my couple of, you know, two partners and they, they were lovely, lovely, beautiful, beautiful men. But there was a point in time and it was like, I can't leave because I love them so much. And then it was like, actually, that's why you need to leave because somebody else is going to love them the way they need to be loved, not Absolutely. just the way you love them, like a brother or yeah. somebody else is going to come in and love them, yeah. you know, in an intimate way, the way they deserve to be loved. And, you know, sure enough, that's what happened. So we have this belief that the most loving thing is to stay but the most loving thing is actually for you to go to allow them to grow that's exactly it took me six years to learn that but that was it yeah I thought if I leave you I know that it's going to break your heart and he would tell me all the time please don't leave me <laughs> and so I felt oh god like I, he made it very clear that if I left he was not 
gonna have you know be okay and so I felt like if I leave is he even gonna survive and so I felt Mm. responsible for his well-being and I had this thought I'm just gonna share this because I feel like it's really dark but I would have the thought often am I willing to to break his heart in order to do what's best for my well-being and I would be honest with myself and this is all in my head you know no (laughs) and the answer was no I would rather die I literally had that thought. I would rather die than leave him and break his heart. I'll live my whole, I'll sacrifice my whole life and live a mediocre life that is less than what I know I deserve because I can't stand breaking his heart. That's how bad it was. That's how like entangled I was in that belief in it. And it took, um, you know, it took years of that abuse and then I was communicating and it getting better, but still really not acceptable. Um, you know, it, it seemed to improved. And, and so you kind of think, oh, maybe there's a chance. And maybe when we have our stuff together, and we're not under these stressful circumstances, things will be different. Maybe when we move off the island, things will be yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. So we moved off the island and came to Vegas and two years here, I'm like, wow, things are still not. Oh, and then and it got it just got to a point where I realized it for some reason, it just snapped. Oh, okay, this is not going to change. Mm-hmm. And that I was like, well, then it was, I, it was just a moment where I had these two choices of like life or death. <laughs> and it was, it became that obvious. And, and I had to take the leap of faith, but I will say it was the hardest thing I've ever done. So was there a catalyst moment that led you to going, I'm leaving and then you did it. Was there a, a moment in time? Yeah, it was, um, not to get too into all the weeds of the details, but um, he was driving while we were on the phone and and being very mean, very nasty, yelling at me. And at first I was kind of allowing it because I was tired at the end of the day. I was the one who was in charge of cooking and cleaning and working and I was always exhausted. So that was part of it. It was just always drained. Um, and so he's yelling at me and I was kind of allowing it. And then some, I was just like, you know, because over these years he was working while I was meditating and doing inner work and slowly healing, like on the back end, sneakily loving myself, <laughs> slowly, little by little, healing those little wounds and, and reclaiming my, and remembering and regaining my power, you know, and like little by little over years. So t- t- towards this point where he's yelling at me on the phone and, you know, I started kind of talking to me like, no, you cannot talk to me like that, you know? And so there was this defining point. He was in the car on the phone yelling. And I said, you know what? No, you will not talk to me like that. And mm-hmm. I swear that exact moment that I said that he crashed our car and, and it was totaled and he broke his hand and had to get surgery and I'm caretaking his hand. And he's of course, even more needy and, Oh, you know, my, you know, how could you? And all this. And, um, and it was my birthday weekend and I had, my brother was going to come down uh, and fly, he flew in for the weekend just for my birthday. And we had this camping trip planned and I hadn't gotten to spend time with my brother one-on-one in years because I was in Hawaii for five years. I didn't see anybody for five years straight. So I was so looking forward to it. And um, as it's approaching, you know, he pulls this, um, you know, how dare you leave me while I'm got this. And I, and I said, I'll, I'll put your meds in a bag. I'll lay your clothes out for you. I'll cook you. I'll set it up so you don't have to do anything. Can I have this one night with my brother on my birthday weekend? <laughs> and he was, he felt 
hurt. He felt mm-hmm. like I didn't care about him. If you cared mm-hmm. about me, you would stay. And mm-hmm. and he and he basically said, you know, he he said some really nasty things about my brother, and said and kind of gave me an ultimatum. And and so I, I was like, oh well, there it is. My brother and I thick as thieves. You, you know, we grew up living home to home like we are. That's my that's my boy. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, okay, here it is then. It's an ult- it's between you and my brother. Well, then that's that's no no question, you know. Um, and so I waited until he fell asleep and I left at 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And got, so when, and I had you, to when you had this conversation that, you know, if it's between you and your brother, no question, that is an internal conversation? Internal. Also- it was, I did not okay. tell him. Because I had tried to leave five times in the past mm-hmm. years, actually. I did try to leave at one month into the relationship one year into the relationship uh like two years I think once a year for all every six years probably I tried to leave there was one point I was in my car far away from our home calling ignoring his calls blocking him trying to call friends to see who I could go stay with for the night and he tracked my location and and got an uber to me so I tried to leave many times but I made the mistake of telling him hey I'm I'm leaving and he would always stop me. So this time I I didn't tell him. I just, I felt, I really just felt love. And I just felt heartache because I knew I have to. Otherwise I'm going to die. And I just loved him so much. Like I did not want to break his heart. So mm-hmm. for me, I just waited until he fell asleep. And I, I asked God and I went for a walk and I said, God, like, you know, I will not break this man's heart unless you tell me it's the only way. Show me signs. And then signs came everywhere. I was like, okay, there's no denying this. Tell me um, about the signs, Ricky. This, I'm in contact all the time. Signs come through. It can be numbers. It could be feathers. It could be birds and animals and insects. It could be songs. It, it's intuitions. It's goosebumps. It's mm. It comes through in every form and so that night I couldn't even count I couldn't recall just everything just even people coming All by and signs. saying something <laughs> yeah I was like okay well geez <laughs> yeah, they, okay thanks for the clarity you know it was pretty obvious I've been in contact in the past six or you know past four years more deeply because in, in the work I do in the sessions connecting with spirit and I've gotten I've I've got an app on my phone where I text spirit and they'll text me back. I very like, it's as if they're my friends in the room next door. So I was talking and, and I had had conversations with spirit months prior where they said, you're, you're, you're denying something. And, and I saw it and I said, shut up, <laughs> you know, don't, t- you know, uh, so I knew, I knew it. Um, but I just really was like, I'm going to, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to, thrust myself into the unknown I have no idea where I'm gonna go or what I'm gonna do because he wouldn't allow me to to work the job that I needed to so I had to kind of financially even just get on my feet and you know I didn't have support here friends and family which is wonderful but that's all I had you know um but so I waited for him to fall asleep and and I just got up and wait snuck grabbed some things and my cats you know and and as I closed the door I just looked at him and I sent angels to him and I just be with him guide him and guide him to love like let let this be good for him let this lift him up in some way I know it's gonna devastate him but be with him and got and that was it I called my brother said come get me and lived with my aunt for three months and this weekend I'm going to Oregon (laughs) 
Beautiful. Ricky, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a beautiful uh, message that you're giving here that even though you were treated in this way, even though you were treated in a way that you should not have been treated, that you still saw his heart and you still connected to his soul and that even in your deepest pain when you were treated in this way, you still wanted to take care of him and set that intention and ask for the angels to visit him and take care of him. And so that's just so beautiful and it just shows, you know, how open your heart is. And I think that's one of the things that we really need to get across in society is that, you know, we can open our hearts in every situation and we can open our hearts when we're being mistreated. We can, but that doesn't mean we, we're a doormat. So opening our hearts doesn't mean we're a doormat. It doesn't mean that we dishonor who we are, but we can honor, honor that other person by honoring ourselves first and then giving them the opportunity to grow. Because if you had stayed with him, you wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have given him the gift of him now finding, well, what have I done wrong? I need to look within me to see, did I treat Ricky right? Like, why has she left me? What did I do? How could I have prevented it? How could I do it differently? So now he would have gone into some self-exploration and give him the opportunity to grow. Yeah, and I've witnessed it. He's been forced to, and and it has devastated him. But he's he he's having to go through his own journey it, forcefully. Um, but yeah, I and I do feel I, I've gone through the whole Pono kind of prayer. You know, like mm. I love you, thank you, please forgive me. I, you know, my intentions were good, but I did stay with you, even though I didn't love you as well as you deserve to be loved. You know, I did give, I poured into that man. <laughs> I did love deeply, but not in the way, I could not love him the way that he deserved to be loved, the way he loved me. Um, and maybe that's why he felt that way. And and either way, yeah, you're a soul on your journey. You're, I know who you are and I have nothing but love, you know, and, and I had, but I did, I did have to set those boundaries and, and, and block that though because it was, it was still unhealthy. And so that, but all the way through it, you know, I love you, but I'm going to set this boundary. Love you. I'm going to set this boundary. Um, and he didn't, yeah, I'm, I don't know if he believes that I loved him, but yeah, I, I see, I know who he is and I know that he didn't want to, to go that way. He didn't want to hurt me. He's just a child. Who, who didn't, you know, hasn't healed yet. And now he's going to, and he'll be great. He'll live a wonderful life. He's intelligent. He'll be great. Um, but that, and, and, and the months following that, I was kind of guided to like, you know, new relationship possibilities come in and, and you're tested with those boundaries that aren't, you're not getting called stupid, but you're still not quite being given the, you know, the devotion that you deserve. And, and I had to navigate that of opening my heart and being like, even, you know, and getting rejected even multiple times, you know, and, and still, well, I still love you. And if, you know, if, if you, um, just giving my love to anyway, giving my love and expressing my love vulnerably was, is a lesson in the past few months I've, I've learned of, um, expressing it, even though, it's ended in rejection or um, heartache, really. I've gone through a lot of heartache after that. So, but still staying open and 
that's what the book is about. That's what I'm passionate about. That that's that's what there's just nothing more important on this planet than we we need to understand that it's the gift. It's the bit. It's the biggest gift we can give to ourselves to keep our heart open. And, and it's going to feel scary. And like my friend Geraldine says, it's like sticking your hand into a bucket of ice cold water of ice water. It's going to be shocking at first, you're going to feel raw and naked and uncomfortable and insecure and vulnerable and unsafe at first. But and I definitely did, you know, putting myself out there and and being vulnerable and writing this book, writing a book is vulnerable, you know, sharing your story is vulnerable. Coming on his show is vulnerable. (laughs) It's so triggered, you know, (laughs) but it's like now I'm having fun and, and I'm not, it, because my heart is just so full. I love, you know, and, and once you get past, once you stick your hand in the ice and you get used to just feeling like a fool or kind of embarrassed or kind of raw and kind of goofy or whatever, you know, kind of. Out, just putting yourself out there it's just so freeing and that's I that's what I want everybody to know is like that is the best gift it's it's the most freeing thing it's terrifying at first it's the most terrifying thing there's a reason most of us don't meditate and go within and address these mm-hmm. things and, right. and, and yeah. we talk about oh I want to be authentic no you don't <laughs> yeah no yeah. you don't <laughs> Exactly. You want to be authentic. Do you really? <laughs> no matter what, even if the even if the consequences are even if you look kind of, you know, you don't you don't maintain the image that you want, but it's it's uncomfortable, you know? Um and yeah, I and it's layers though. So mm. it comes in layers. I'm removing more and more layers, but there's nothing there's nothing what else is there to do on this planet here than to connect authentically with others and with ourselves. There's Absolutely. nothing there's nothing else. Everything no, else is that's why we're here with our uniqueness and our unique challenges and our unique strengths and our unique weaknesses, so that we could be all of us, because all of us is is the perfection of you know, the whole universe. So can I ask you, Ricky, if just for a moment you could close your eyes? Yeah. (laughs) And find your centre. And I'd like you to imagine that that young girl is standing in front of you, the young girl that had to be living from house to house And I want you to tell her, as if she's right there, what she needs to know. Don't change a thing. You don't have to work to be worthy. You don't have to be, (laughs) come off as more intelligent or, um, you know, articulate to be worthy. You don't have to stop being goofy to be worthy. You can be goofy and funny and make mistakes. And um, you can genuinely make mistakes. And I still love you. You are so lovable. And um, you being your goofy, you know, flawed self uh, is what touches 
it spreads light everywhere. So trust yourself. That's the big thing. Trust yourself. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, that that's the big one. Trust yourself. That's the biggest lesson that I've had to learn. And that we all that 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 there it is. If you trust yourself, you can guide yourself anywhere, you can heal yourself, you can love yourself, everything can fall from there. But if you don't trust this, where's your navigation? <laughs> mm, absolutely. And, you know, people are so often looking for the answers outside of themselves and they're looking for the next therapist, or the next teacher, and that's, that's great because sometimes we need that along the way we need that mentor we need that coach we need that teacher but there comes a point when we need to go within and know that regardless all those teachers really what they're there for is to help you get back to yourself and to help you understand that you have the answers within yourself because their answers may not be your answers Mm -hmm. and so thank you Ricky for being a shining light on this planet is there one final thing that you'd like to um, share with the listeners out there? Yeah. Keep your heart open. Live in your heart. Be guided by your heart. It's all in the heart. So... Be a warrior of love. To be kind, to be open, to be loving, to be vulnerable is not weak. It is only the strongest that are able to do it. Um, So know that you're a warrior and be brave. That's really the biggest thing that I've had to learn. Um, Oh, I can say that again. But the key to all terrors is to head straight into them from Ellen Watts. And that's if you are courageous, if you're brave, I, I think that's the key, actually, and um, that's what I found as an you know somebody who, by default, avoids and runs away from things. Once I started heading facing those demons head on, facing myself, looking at myself head on, every fear, every insecurity, every doubt, sitting with it with compassion instead of running away from it, and same thing with with sitting in the presence of another human being. You're, if you feel awkwardness and blah, 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 sit with it. Don't run away. So be courageous. Be a courageous warrior of love. Um, you give permission to, you give others permission to be themselves when you're yourself. And so it's brave. It takes an act of courage. It takes bravery and strength. So face your fears <laughs> and go into it and keep your heart open because you deserve, you deserve love. That's beautiful, Ricky. Thank you so much for being a warrior of love. Um, Thank you so much for showing who you are and um, opening your heart to the world, even though you weren't treated the way you deserve to be treated all those years ago. And, um, yeah, thank you for being you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful to be here and, and thank you for letting me talk and share. This is beautiful.
Awesome. And for those of you who want to connect with Ricky, we're going to be putting in the show notes all her social links and anything that she's got going so that you can keep connected and you can read her book. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to The Shame Game. We hope you loved it. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And we would so love it if you also share it with your friends. Until next time, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We're all in this together and we are all worthy of love and belonging. And also, remember this, you are not your shame.